Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, so two weeks ago, guys, we learned that all that glitters is not gold. Remember we talked about that? You see, Abram had just come from Egypt. He found himself right in the middle of a strife, right? You see, Lot, okay, Abraham's nephew, has basically, as time had passed by, he'd actually become very wealthy as well. You see, we know that Abraham, the Bible says, was rich, and we know that Lot had become wealthy. Well, he had livestock, and he had herdmen, he had employees, if you will. And the Bible says that the land, guys, could not sustain both Abram and Lot. So strife was happening between both herdsmen. Now, in our day and age, we call it family drama, right? There's drama in the family, right? Well, that's kind of what's going on. Strife is going on right here between both herdsmen. Now, before we jump into our story, I want to just kind of remind you what we talked about two weeks ago. The first thing, we, we looked at verses 1 through 3, and we see that Abraham actually came back to his first love. Look at it with me. Genesis 13, 1 through 3 says, Then Abraham went up from Egypt, He and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him. To the south, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Now, here's what we learned two weeks ago. Okay, Like Abram, guys, there are many who are far from God right now. You go, what do you mean? Well, they're living in Egypt as we speak. And you guys know that Egypt is always a type of the world. So you've got people who are living in the world, and maybe they're dancing with Christianity a little bit, but they're, they're not really fully committed, okay? Well, that's what Abraham is doing. He went down to Egypt. He, he knew there was a famine. He says, I'm going to go down to Egypt, and Egypt being a type of the world. And we can see that, and here's what we learn. That God is so loving that he doesn't allow us to stay in Egypt. He's always calling us to come home. He's always calling us to come home. And that's exactly what he does. He's always calling us to come back to our first love, Jesus. See, when we would look at the church at Ephesus, guys, the church, if you remember in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, John, the writer, is saying this, and he's getting this vision about this church, and it says this, it says, the Lord is speaking, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. What do you have against the church? What do you have against the church of Ephesus? He says, that you left your first love. See, and that's the problem. The problem with us, guys, as believers, is that we fall in love with Jesus. We give him all of our hearts, and we want to surrender to him, and then somewhere along the line, we say, I'm okay. I got this, Lord. I don't need you anymore. I want to do my own thing. And we leave him. Guys, we didn't. A lot of people think they lost him. Where did Jesus go? Is it over here? No, no, no. We, we know exactly where he is. We left him. And he says, you left your first love. You left him. And the thing about it, guys, is that we, we in this culture, in this day and age, we don't, we don't just necessarily leave him like, okay, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go follow something else. I have no more God. But we do it subtly in our walks. You see, where we used to pray. We used to have the fervency with God, and we would hear his voice. Oh, Lord, I hear your voice. It's so good. We, we, we stopped doing that. We stopped doing that. We, yeah, I'll pray. How are you going to pray? I'm going to pray the 15 minutes on the way to, on the way to work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the 10 minutes on. I'm just going to, hey, I'll listen to Caleb. That's what I'll do. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's a good song. I'm not really paying attention. I'm just, and we, we begin to do this. And, it, and, and, and the word of God says, you've left your first love, Ephesus. And he says, come back. And he says, remember, therefore, from wherever you've fallen, repent and do the first works. That's what he says. He says, guys, repent, come back. And I love that he's, that he's reaching out to Ephesus and he's saying, listen, you've left, come back, come back. You see, that's not us at all, is it? Oh, you want to fall? Go on ahead. Go on, go see how it is. You want to go back to the world? Fine. That's not God. God goes, no, 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 no. You've left me, but I love you. Come back. Come back. Okay, okay. That's what he says, come back. Do the first works. Do the first works. Guys, today... Even in our walks today, I believe we need to take an inventory 
to see if we've left our first love. If you look at the church of Ephesus, they looked amazing from the outside. But deep in their heart, they left Jesus. Now, what's more important? What's more important to come in here? Hey, praise the Lord. How you doing, bro? Praise God. All right. Amen. And you say all the right things, but in your heart, you've left Jesus. You've left him. Got a Christian bumper sticker on my car. Did you see that? Yeah. Follow me to church. Praise the Lord. But, but inside, when nobody knows, we're hurting and we're broken. That's, that's what he's saying, guys. We've got we to gotta be careful. Here, here's what I'm thinking, guys. Oh, how we need a fresh feeling of God's Holy Spirit. When was the last time we prayed, God, fill us with your Spirit? God, fall on us so today, tonight, Lord, fall on us so we can't get up. And, and not, not in a crazy, like, oh, my goodness, but in a way where we're just like, oh, I can feel God's Holy Spirit, and we're just, we're just worshiping Him, and nobody wants it to stop, and we don't care how late it is in the Holy Spirit, and, and we need that fresh feeling, guys. I can't do tomorrow without it. I can't do tomorrow. I want to walk in the same drought in my life that I, I need to come back. I want the Holy Spirit. Oh, how we need that. And the Word of God says, remember, repent, and return. Return. The second thing we learned, guys, moving in our text, is we learned that what if we've been in Egypt for a long time? What if we've been kind of hanging out in the world, right, and, and having a good time? And, but you know, that, you know that you've left Jesus, and you want to come back to Him. You can feel the Spirit calling you just a little bit, and you're kind of having fun over here in Egypt. And what, 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 what about that, Ben? What about that? Well, look at verse 3. And so Abraham went on his journey as far as the south, as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. You guys see that? This is a great verse to underline. You go, why is that? Because if we're honest... Abram messed up, man. Abram blew it. Abram's out of control. You go, why? He messed up, guys. He messed up. He didn't trust God. There's a famine. He heard God's voice and he kept moving. God, there's a famine. But I don't know what you're going to do, so I'm going to go over to Egypt. And when I go to Egypt, they're going to look at my beautiful wife. Isn't she beautiful? So, sweetie, tell them you're my... I mean, he messed up. And we all sit here at church going, that wouldn't be me, man. Hmm. I heard God's voice. I'd stay put. No, we all mess up. And Abraham messed up. He didn't trust God. He went to Egypt. He lied about Sarai. He was even rebuked by a heathen king. Don't you just hate that? Don't you hate that in your Christianity when someone who doesn't know Jesus goes calls you out? Oh. Hey, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. I thought you were supposed to trust God. I am. I'll show you. We don't even know what to say at that point when we're called out on that. But that's exactly what the, 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 the heathen king did. And we can agree that Abraham messed up, and yet we see that he still calls upon the name of the Lord. He still calls upon the name. Here's the point, guys. Here's what we learned. How many of us, when we mess up, are afraid to call out to God? We're so, we're just like, I, you know what? Here's the thing. We feel so defeated that we run from God instead of running to God. We, we, we just feel messed up, right? If you know and apply, Abraham repented and he went back, if you will, to God and he called upon the Lord once again. Now, nowhere in this scripture do I see God going like this. Really, Abraham? Come on in. Let me take off my belt, son. You're in trouble. He just, he just called on God. Guys, listen, God is graceful. He's merciful in our lives. But the day is coming when he's not going to be so graceful. And the day is coming when he's going to say, hey, man, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. You, you were just like the church of heaven. You were playing church. I don't know you. I don't know you. But today, guys, God stands with his arms open wide ready to hear your voice call to him once again, once again. Well, those are the things we learn. Now, the story changes from Abraham. It now teaches us, it it focuses on Lot, right? His name means veil. Look at verse 6. 
Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great they could, they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's livestock and the herdmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please, let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. Between, He says, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. And if you take the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, he says, I will go to the left. Now, one of the things that we can glean from this, guys, two very important points is these, in these verses. You go, what's that? Here's what we need to know. We need to note that there was contention between Abram and Lot's hired workers, okay? It wasn't between them. A lot of time we go, oh, yeah, Abram and, and Lot, man, you know, it's like, you're not my uncle, but he really was. You know, that, that strife, it was between the, the employees, first and foremost, but one thing we do need to grasp, guys, is that this is the first time strife is mentioned. And in the law of first mention, it happens to be part of the whole family. You see, they weren't just employees. They were family. They were family. And it says, man, we had some family drama. We had some herdsmen. We had, some, we had this going on. But when it comes to family... There are two ways we can look at it. We all have family, right? We all have family that we're going, oh my goodness, my family. You don't understand my family. And, and we can say that there's drama in our families, could we not? There's always something in our families. But here's what I want to bring to your attention, guys. The Bible says that when you're a believer in Christ, that you're part of the family of God. You're part of the family of God. And we need to make sure that there's no strife among the family of God. We're all family. We're brothers and sisters, and I think I forget that at times. I think I forget that that this is my these are my brothers, these are my sisters. And we gotta be family. And and I think we just we just not need to have family, I mean strife in the family of God. Let me kind of go through what the Bible says about strife, okay? A little bit about what, what the Bible says about strife. If you're taking note, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 23-25, it says, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord, say, that's me, say it again, that's me, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. That's what he says. He says, guys, he says, avoid the foolish and ignorant disputes. Why? That's all it's going to do is generate strife. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did Adam have a belly button? What is that about? What is that about? Well, you better tell me or I'm not going to... Listen, I'm not going to have this. This is That's just foolish. I don't want strife with that. I, I know what the Word of God says. Another one, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. The problem is, guys, is that we tend to close our eyes on our sin and look at everybody else's. And we forget we're just as guilty as they are. And here's what he says. He says, hatred, hatred stirs up strife. Oh, yeah, yeah. But love covers all sins. How about this one? Proverbs 16 and 28, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Can you mean that? A perverse man sows strife. That's what the Bible says. How about this? Proverbs 20 and 3 says this. It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. How, how cool is that? It is honorable for you to go, hey, listen, I'm not going to fight about this. I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. Mm. Uh, we're going to have to stand before God. It's honorable, because any fool can start a fight. Any fool can start a, a, a quarrel. You're calling me a fool. No, no, there you go again. Okay, calm down. It's not what I'm saying. How about this one? Proverbs 29 and 22. Jot this down. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. An angry man stirs up strife. Man, someone comes up to you and wants to start a fight. Say, bro, why, why you all have, what, where, where's all this anger coming from, man? Where are we? What happened? Why are you so angry? 
Because an angry man stirs up strife. How about this one? This is, this is one, right? Jot this down. Proverbs 16, and I'm sorry, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Six things the Lord hates. And whenever the Bible says the Lord hates something, I want to know what they are. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. What is it? What are they, Lord? A proud look. A lying tongue. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Time out. My God hates a lying tongue. Amen. Amen. Busted. Can't be trusted, man. You know? But it was such a, it was a little white lie. That's not what it says. It says a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deceives, devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift into running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. Check this out. And one who sows discord among the brethren. That's strife, guys. What is the seventh thing the Lord hates? He hates when we're in discord and somebody is causing that. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. The second thing we see is at Abram's generous offer, right? Eight and nine. And you got to love Abraham right here. Why? Because he, he talks to Lot, his nephew, and it's with respect. Why? He starts off with the word please. 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 We're family. And even though I'm your uncle and I'm the elder and there should, you know what? There should be respect. He says, I'm going to take the little road and I'm going to honor you a lot. Please. Please. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Please, we don't, let there not be strife among us. And now, as we continue in our study, guys, we come to the seven downward steps of Lot. And we're going to find these in verse 10 through 13 and then over in chapter 19. So for the remainder of our study, I want to look at each step, and I'm going to try to apply them as best we can so, don't we, so, so we don't follow the same pattern. So picking up our story, remember, Abram asked Lot, go anywhere you want to go, and I'll go the opposite. If you go left, I'll go right. If you want to go to the land on the right, I'll go left. Here is Lot's response, verse 10. And Lot, notice what he did. He lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Everybody see that? You go, what's the very first step that we see here, guys? What's the very first step? Where does it start? You can jot this down, right? The very first step we see right here is Lot now begins to walk by sight. He begins to walk by sight. You go, what do you mean? Notice with me, he lifted up his eyes. He's looking at everything in the natural, okay? The spirit man inside him is not saying, hey, hey, let's pray about this. Hey, let's, let's see. He's walking in the natural. Now, before we really jump in on Lot, right, for walking by sight, I get it. I get it. You go, what do you mean? He has livestock. He's looking at his guys. He's looking at all his stuff, and he's going, okay. I'm going to walk by sight. He does, and he goes, man, I need somewhere good. I need somewhere. Listen, listen. This is what he's saying, right? But what we fail to understand is that Lot is not walking in the spirit right now. He's simply looking for what will best serve him. I believe we make the same mistakes. We don't take the time to pray and to walk in the Spirit and say, okay, what's going to look like a year from now? What's this going to look like five years from now? What's this going to look like? Hey, wait a while. That's what I want. I'll take it right now. Red is my color. Amen. And, and, we, and we just kind of go that route. But, but think about this. Think about this. Lot looks and he sees what? He sees the plain of Jordan and there's water. And it's beautiful. And it looks like the garden of the Lord. The problem is, guys, the sight can be deceiving when we don't inquire of the Lord. Sight can be deceiving. Especially for you young people. You go, what do you mean? Oh, one of these days. I wanna... Where is she, Lord? Where, where's, the, where's the woman of my dreams? Where is she? Woo, did you see her? Whoa, she's good looking. Oh, man. That's the one. That's the one for me. Mm -hmm. That's the one. And the thing about it, guys, if we don't inquire of the Lord, that sight can be deceiving. And sight can be deceiving. 
Now, we got to be careful because that's a lot of times we, we look in the natural and we go, well, man, that's, that's the girl for me, that's the house for me, that's the car for me, that's all that, and we never take time to pray and really seek God. Now, here's our problem. We live in a fast world, don't we? We live in a microwavable world. Put a microwave, put it, put it, minute, minute, rice. Hey, it took more longer than a minute. What's wrong with this product? We live in, in, in popcorn, right? Pop it in. It. But when it comes to God, when we pray, how do we pray, guys? Lord Jesus, help me with this. Amen. I don't see it. Where is it? And we don't take time to seek God and really wait for the peace that God gives us. Now, listen. The Bible tells us, okay, that we have to walk by faith and not by sight. You go, yeah, you mentioned that two weeks ago. I want to bring this out, guys. In the context, in the context of what Paul is saying, he's saying, he's speaking of what happens when you die as a believer, okay? They actually pull this verse out. We've got to be careful because if we pull it out out of context, we make it a pretext and then I can make it say anything I want it to say. So I want to make sure that I don't do that. Here's what Paul is saying. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 says this. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Can I get an amen? Because while you're here, you're, you're not with God, right? He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. How are you living right now? You know Jesus is in you, and that's by faith. Why? Because uh, how many of you saw Jesus today? And I mean physically. Well, we don't. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, while you're in this body, he says, we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. He says, one day you're going to die, and to be absent from the body is to be present for the Lord. Now, here's what I want to, here's what I want to make clear. Paul right here is talking to believers, okay? These, this group of young men, a couple of them here, gave their lives to Jesus several, several weeks back. They're, when they die, because they put their faith and trust in God, guess what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's where we're going to be. All of us in here, for the most part, have, have done that. We said, this, that's, that's it. I give my life to Jesus. Why is that important? Here's why. Listen, listen. Because a lot of us, a lot of people, and I'm going to use a big broad brush, guys. A lot of people believe that we're Christian in name only, but, but God hasn't really affected our hearts. We'll say, I'm a, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Why? Well, I grew up in church. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a, yeah, I remember, I remember walking an altar when I was four years old. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but, but our life hasn't really changed. And so that's why at the beginning we said we need to do an inventory and make sure that our life is changed and that we're well-pleasing to God. Okay, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a believer. Okay. So that's the context, but here's how we can apply it. We can apply it in a much in a much different way as we walk with Jesus. And you go, what do you mean? Walking by faith requires tremendous courage and strength. Okay? You must be willing, uh, you must be willing to be misunderstood and even abandoned when you walk by faith. You must be willing to give up any semblance of control of your life that you thought you might have. That's walking by faith. See, Lot, listen, listen, you're walking by, you're walking by sight, bro, but walking by faith means you, you, you need to give up any control that you thought you might have. You must be willing to even look like a complete fool. Sometimes it is. And if we were to apply to this life, this is what, what, what walking by faith may look like. You go, what does it mean? Well, here's the thing I wrote down. Walking by faith may require you to go to a place that you don't know. One that God will reveal in his time, and then trust becomes a key component. Trust becomes a key component. Listen, guys, here's how I want to trust God. I want to trust God so much that I don't know what, what tomorrow holds, but I'm excited because he's already there. The problem is, is when I walk by sight and I see things happening, I start to freak out. Oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh my goodness. Oh, what, what am I, what am I going to do? I need to, I need to do something. We need We need to figure this out. And the Lord's like, no, no, trust. Trust is the key because I'm going to take you and I'm going to reveal that in my time. See, here's the thing. I believe as a church and, and as Christians, we've lost the art of just trusting God. Because I want to know everything. I want to I know the beginning to the end. Please tell me. God, I'm going to put out a fleece. 
I'm going to put out another fleece. And if that fleece don't work, I'm going to put out this fleece. And, and we want to know everything. And, 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 and I think we've lost that art of saying, man, I'm just going to trust you. How you doing, man? I'm trusting Jesus. Man, things just look crazy. I know, but I'm trusting Jesus. I know he's going to do great things. Trust becomes a key component. Walking by faith, number two, also means you hold on to all the dreams or callings that he has put in your heart, even though you feel like nothing is happening in your life. You hold on to that. I'm walking by faith. I don't know. You don't understand. I thought by this age, I would have this. I thought by this age, I'd have that. I thought, no, 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 no. If God has put that in your heart, you hold on. Why? Because I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by faith. I'm trusting Jesus. Yeah, but I don't see it. That's okay. That's okay. He knows best for me. Let me ask you this. You don't have to answer that. How many of you ever get in a fight with God because you, he doesn't give you what you thought you should have on by now? I'm going to tell the Lord a few things. I'm going to say, listen. Walking by faith, guys, means you hold on to those things, those callings that he has put in your heart, even though you don't feel like it's happening in your life. Number three. Walking by faith means you seek God for decision you make in your journey here on earth, okay? You seek God, right? That's the thing. See, Lot didn't, he, he, he didn't seek God. He, and walking by faith says, listen, I'm going I'm to seek God. I'm going to make sure because this is the journey you have here on earth. That's the first one. Well, we have number two, right? The second downward step of Lot is found in verse 11. Look at it with me, guys. It says, Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. If you're taking note, this ties in. He first looks by sight, but notice number two. His second downward step is he made his own choices. He made his own choices. Now, you, now, listen, what I mean by this is that Lot never sought counsel. He never sought counsel. He didn't, see, he didn't seek counsel from godly men. He didn't seek counsel or inquired of the Lord. Guess what he did? He simply looked up. I want to go over there. I want to go over there. Let's go, guys. Head him out, right? Here's what the Bible says when it comes to making decisions, right? Proverbs 11 and 14 says this, Where there is no counsel, the people fail, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety, okay? So where there is no counsel, the people fail. Lot should have just got together and said, Abraham, listen, you're my uncle, you're a godly man, you hear from God, tell me what I should do, where should I go? I know we need to separate, but I want to honor you and I want to, I want to get counsel, because it says here, where there is no counsel, the people fail. But he says this, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Now, the word translated counsel here in the Hebrew is a nautical term used for the steering of a ship. The wisdom of godly advisors can help steer us in the right direction. Now, this is important. Listen to me. We all need godly advisors. We need shepherds that God has placed Un, you know, basically has placed you under. You need those shepherds, right? For wisdom. For wisdom. God's placed those. Pastor, what do you think? Pray with me. A lot of times people won't ask me at all for my counsel because they know better. And they'll say, well, I heard from God too. Well, that's awesome too. Seek the Lord. But sometimes you'll get a different perspective when you, when you recognize that as sheep, God has placed a shepherd over you, to give you wisdom, to help you, to at least pray with you. Oh, oh, okay, okay. But, but we also have to be careful. We have to be careful on this. Would you agree? And you go, why? Because sometimes, guys, sometimes when we're seeking a decision, we'll only ask those who will be on our side. We'll only go to those who are who, right? Or we'll, or, or, or we won't, we'll, we'll go to, or we'll continue to ask until we get the, until we get the right answer, whether good or bad, right? Hey man, I feel like God's calling me to do this. Tony, what do you think? Uh, well, man, I don't think so. Oh, Tony, cool. It's good, good time. Hey, Giovanni, hey, uh, God's calling me to do this. No, Pastor Ben, I don't think you can do it. That's right. I agree. Amen. Right? We'll only go to people who, who will give us the answer. And so, be careful. 
Be careful. So Lot is on a downward path. Now note with me the third step found in verse 12. And Abram, right, dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities in the plain and pitched his tent even as far as, help me, church, Sodom, Sodom. What's the third downward step? Guys, he starts, he starts pin, pitching his tent towards Sodom. You go, Ben, what does that mean exactly? What does that mean? Well, we know that Sodom is a type of the world. Okay, Sodom is a type of the world. Remember, the Canaanites are filled with addictions and perversions, and they're exaggerated people-pleasing. That's who they are. And so the Canaanite spirits are the spirits behind addictions and sexual perversions. And this is why Sodom and Gomorrah are portrayed in scriptures as Canaanite cities. What's Lot doing? Lot is leaning towards this immoral city full of perversion and addictions. See, he's already now, he's already walked by what? He's walked by sight. He's already made his own choices, hadn't sought any counsel at all. Now he's looking at, oh, oh. They're Sodom. They're Sodom. Uh, let's just camp here, guys. I might have to run into town a little bit. There's there's Sodom. There's Sodom. Okay. All right. All right. Church, listen. I've never seen anyone pitch their tent towards Sodom that did not soon dwell in Sodom. Listen to... Listen to what Peter says about Lot. 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. You go, what does that mean? That's what Peter says. Peter says, listen, but it all started. He's like, hey, check it out. There's Sodom. Next thing you know, he's in Sodom. We're going to see that. But he wasn't having fun. He wasn't having fun. Why? Because once you become a believer, once you're a born-again follower of God, listen, you can't step into the world and listen and have all of this stuff. It bugs you. You think you want to have fun? No, listen, I'm not, listen, I'm not one of them Jesus freaks. No, God is in you. And, and this is exactly what he said. He said, you, you're now the righteousness of God on you. And he says, and basically, you were sick to your heart. You were tormented. You said, oh, I can't stand this. It's the same feeling you get, guys, when you watch the news. And as a believer, you see your world headed to disaster. It's the same feeling. Oh, what is wrong with people? It's the righteousness of God. See, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. And yet, guys, we do it all the time. You go, what do you mean? Can we be honest? We pitch our tent. You go, what does that mean? We set our hearts toward worldly things. That's what we do. We're hoping for some quick satisfaction, only to find our lives are really a mess. And we're tormented with the things that we have allowed. We have allowed. That's what it means, guys. It means to set your heart that way. It means to look and be like, oh, wow. Well, why are, the, why are they having fun? Sodom. All right, y'all stay here. I'm going to go in and get some supplies because it's Sodom. And, 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 and well, what happened next? Well, you can guess the fourth downward step. Guys, say, say bye to Genesis 13. Look at over to Genesis 19. Move over a little bit to the right, a few pages. Genesis 19. Here is the fourth, right? Verse 1, 19, 1 says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. You guys there? And Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. Whoa, 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 time out. Just a few chapters earlier, he's just sat in his heart. He's just looking. Listen, I can look at the menu. I just don't have to purchase anything. I can look, right? I just need to touch. No, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. Where do we find Lot? Just a few chapters. He's sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose. Wait a minute, time out. Peter said that he was having... He, listen, you can be really bugged about the world and still live in it. That's exactly what he's doing. You can see really bugged about going around you and you can... What's he doing? 
Here's the fourth downward step. You ready? He's sitting at the gate. The Sodom guys, the Sodomites voted him to be in the city council. It didn't take long for Lot to live in Sodom, but something much more happened. You go, what that? He was found sitting at the gate. He was on the city council. Somehow I believe his heart was there as well. Now you might say, Pastor Ben, the Bible says he was righteous. And, And so he was sitting at the gate. He was in the city council because he wanted to change Sodom, right? That's a, amen. But, but here's what life really shows us. It's much harder to pull you up than for you to pull me down. It really is. It really is. And although, yeah, man, listen, listen, I'm going to the depot district, man. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to change those people. And then I find myself sitting down. And it's so much, guys, guys, we've seen it even in our own church. It's easier. And it takes us back. Can, can I say this? Without the strength of the brother and sisterhood in the family of God, we're all just a, we're all just a moment away from going back to where we came from. We're all, we're all, we're just, we need that. We need brothers and sisters. How you doing, man? How you doing? You Okay. Guys, get this. Let's, let's get this in our brain. God created us to do life together and to ask those questions. Brother G, how you doing? You doing okay, man? You listen, no, don't, don't just give me that. I'm fine, bro. No, no, no. How you doing, man? You know what? You getting along with your wife? Huh? You fighting with your wife? Well, pastor, we've got to ask those questions. Why? Because the last thing I want to do is see Brother Gio and his wife come and separate. Oh, that devil. I hate that devil. No, let's, that's what God called us to be brothers. God called us to be brothers. He said, this is how we do life. We don't ever want to go like that. Well, Brother Gio, man, listen, if you just read the word 24-7 like me, you wouldn't have that problem, bro. And here's a list of books you should be reading. Come on, let's go. Get after it. Gio needs needs a brother. Gio needs a brother, guys. Ben, what should we do? as not to pitch our tent towards Sodom. Well, you ready? Godly families must raise their children without the compromise of the world. That's the first thing. You know, what do you mean? When it comes to raising godly families, guys, we need to quit allowing video games that are filled with violence in our homes. Ah, it's just video games. No, 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 no. Why? Because they're setting their heart towards Sodom, guys. They're going to be in the gate. Discipline television or better yet, still remove it from your home. There's things that you got to be careful. Be careful what you you allow in the eye gate of our family. Be careful what we allow in the ear gate. Be careful of these things, guys. Listen, if you have, if you have young, if you have young teenagers, monitor Facebook. Let me see what you let me see what you're posting. Let me see what's going on. Why? Because you should train your children to live morally clean lives. Listen to this. If they pitch their tent towards Sodom right in your home, be assured that their future is probably and you can add whatever you want to add to that. If they're setting their hearts towards the world in your home, where do you think it's going to end up? Fifth downward step, look at verse 4, chapter 19, verse 4. Now, before they laid down, the men of the city, right, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to them, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out as we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, for for you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And I got to tell you, right here, my my brain exploded right here. Did you guys just hear what what, what Lot did? What do you mean? Here's the fifth. Here's the fifth. Here's what happens, guys. First of all, right, we start walking by sight, not going to inquire of the Lord. We're not going to make our own choices. 
And we're going to set our hearts, and the next thing you know, we're in the world. Fifth one, you have a moral decay. You have moral decay going on here. You go, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, think about this. Ask yourself this question. How did this happen? How did this happen? How could a man who is called righteous now stoop so low as to offer his daughters as a sexual sacrifice? I mean, this just blows my mind. It starts because moral decay is setting in. Moral decay is now calling good evil and evil good. Moral decay is what we see in Lot. Why? Because you can take Lot out of Egypt, but it's hard to take Egypt out of Lot. Guys, think about it. I get so angry. You want to offer your daughters? What is wrong with you? What is going on in Lot's heart? He's already, wow, wow. Guys, think about this. This, this still happens today. Wouldn't you agree? Moral decay are those, are, are, are those as we believers, right? Let me give you the biblical definition, okay? Jot this down. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5 says this. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Stressful times. Been there. Hello. Why? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power, and from such people turn away. How did they get that way? How does people get to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemy, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving? It starts, guys, it starts with those downward steps, man. Let me give you the sixth downward step. Verse 13, look at Genesis 19, 13. He says, for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out, spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. Look at that last line, guys. But his son-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Whoa, 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 time out. Lot already, Lot already said, hey, hey, don't, don't, listen, don't come in, don't get the, 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 no, here's my daughters. And now the Lord's like, we're going to, there's judgment happening in Sodom. There's judgment coming. So he goes out. Now he must have had other daughters and he goes to his sons-in-law and he says, hey, come on, listen, God's going to bring us. Come on, we got to go. Let's go. And his sons-in-law looked at him and left. <laughs> Oh, Dad, you're crazy. You mean you always joking? God's gonna come and destroy us, really? Seriously? You go. What's the what's the downward step? Here it is. Jot this down. A lost testimony. A lost testimony. See, Lot is trying to warn his family of the judgment to come, and they think he's joking. See, they're just seeing the temporal, not the eternal. Guys, when we get to this step. It's really hard to repent. When we have blown it so bad that the people around us think we're only joking about spiritual things, we have lost our testimony. We've lost it. If you're taking note, jot this down. A testimony, a testimony is what others think about God because of you. A testimony is what other people think about God because of your life. That's a testimony. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. People know and people understand, look at me, that you're going to make mistakes. We all do. But a loss of a testimony, guys, is really hard to get over. Really hard to get over. And here's why it's so important we guard our testimony. We guard it. You go, why is that? Because people's lives are at stake. I mean, think about it, guys. Lot's daughters and his sons-in-laws, I mean, they're going to die. And I know, this is just me, here's my opinion. I'm way off to the side here. I know that Lot's wife looked back, okay? The Lord said, don't look back or you're going to turn into a pillar of salt. I get it. But I know a mama's heart. I know a mama's heart. And I know she's, she looked back and she's thinking about her babies. 
And people go, oh, well, that's not it. Maybe she had a heart for her. She may have. Man, who do we blame for that, guys? We blame Lot. Lot lost his testimony. He walked his wife into sin. And even if her heart was for the world, Lot, come on, man, you weren't doing your job as a spiritual leader. You weren't covering your wife in prayer. You weren't teaching her the Bible and your sons-in-law. Guard your testimony, guys. Guard your testimony. Last step as we close. Last step as we close. Chapter 19, verse 22 and 23. Hurry! Escape there. For I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. And the sun had risen upon the earth where Lot entered Zoar. If you're taking note, the last and final step is a life of insignificance. A life of insignificance. That's what Zoar means, insignificant. The definition of insignificance or Zoar is too small, unimportant, to be worth consideration without power or influence, meaningless. Isn't that what happens? We lose our testimony. We're in the seventh downward spiral, the downward step of, of that, and we just, we just live a life of insignificance, man. We have no power. People don't listen to us, and we end up living in Zoar. And Pastor Ben, Zoar's not that bad. No, no, no. Here's the thing. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. And it's not to live a life of insignificance. It's not to live a life of, hey, God has a plan. He's called you. He's put something. He's birthed something in your heart. May we never take those downward steps and end up in Zoar. And end up in Zoar. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that we can look in your word, Lord. And we do. We do take heed, God, too. Lot. Lord, Lot was Lot was called righteous, God, because of who you are, not because of what he did. Lord, we can look and we can say, man, Lot messed up big time. But here's the bottom line, Lord. We know that Lot is saved. He got out. Judgment came on Sodom and Gomorrah, but he lived. And it's the same for us through Jesus. Judgment is coming. But you've sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. And what I love about Jesus is it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. It's about, it's about him coming and taking my place and dying on the cross for me. So I don't have to experience judgment. I can experience victory. Father, we can say through Lot that, that he was very prideful. That he wouldn't hear your voice. And he, he, he willingly took these downward steps. But tonight, Lord, I don't want to be prideful. I want your spirit to move. And my prayer, God, is if there's anyone here, Lord, that, that Lord, tonight has not surrendered their lives to you. Has not, have not completely said, Jesus... Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. I want you to take control of my life. I don't want to do it anymore by myself. I need you. If there's anyone here that has not been born again, like the Bible says, born from above, then tonight, Lord, I pray that your spirit is already moving. So, God, I thank you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, church, between you and the Lord, no one looking around, but maybe you're here tonight and God was knocking on your heart. And as I was teaching, you were saying, Ben, you were saying some things and some lights were coming on. And, and what I really realized is I don't have a relationship with God. And I'm confused and I've got all these questions. But what, what I really want to tell you, Ben, is I feel like I'm a million miles away from God right now. Listen, you might be here tonight and you may feel like you're a million miles away from God, but you're one decision away. And all you have to do is open up your heart and say, Jesus, I believe. And I can lead you in this prayer. 
You go, well, the, does the prayer save me? No, words alone aren't sufficient to save. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. But God loves you, and he wants to save you, and he wants, he wants to spend eternity with you. That's why he sent his son to die for you. But you have to be willing to make that step. You go, Pastor, what do I have to do? Well, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to simply lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Well, then everybody's going to see. No, nobody's going to see. And besides that, it's between you and God. And all you have to do is say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. And I'll acknowledge you, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. And if you pray that prayer with all of your heart, we'll believe that Jesus will come. He'll forgive you of your past. He'll forgive you of your present. He'll forgive you of your future. He'll give you a brand new life and a brand new start. We believe that. How do, why do you believe that? Because it's happened to every one of us. We are not the same. So then I'm going to be perfect? No, you're going to be far from perfect. You're going to be forgiven. Every wrong you've ever made is going to be gone, and you'll be on your way to a better life. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here tonight, in the sound of my voice, that God has already been working on your heart through this message, that you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want to be born again. Would you just lift up your hand right now? just going to give you a minute. I just want to give you an opportunity that God would speak to you. Listen to the voice of the Lord. You can feel him. He's speaking to your heart. Maybe you've walked away from God. Okay. Maybe you've, you've backslid a little and tonight you're going, okay, I'm ready to come home. All you have to do is your one decision. Just lift up your hand and say, pastor, that's me. I'm not playing anymore. I, I want to know Jesus. Is there anyone here? Anyone here right now? Just say, pastor, that's me. Father, we thank you, and we love you, and we just look forward to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.